scene in the dark night rises batman exhorts catwoman to put away her weapon no killing he says no guns sadly in the century 16 theater last night life did not imitate that bit of art and the midnight premiere of that film became a killing ground tonight families are reeling the young man is in custody and police are trying to figure out how to disarm the suspect's apartment loaded with explosive booby traps theater is not all he had planned as we are on the air, bomb squads are continuing their dangerous work at his apartment. Police say it is a cat's cradle of tripwires and booby traps. Right of the screen toward his car, which was parked just outside of that exit. And there they think that he geared up for the attack. And at approximately 12.37 or 12.38, he came back in. Now, what witnesses say they saw was at some point, a canister was tossed in here spraying gas into the room, some sort of tear gas or pepper spray. They say he fired into the ceiling first, and then this man who was wearing all black with a big hair. 300 East Alameda Avenue. They're saying somebody's shooting in the auditorium. There is at least one person that's been shot, but they're saying there's hundreds of people just running around. So, yeah, did you ever look up that, um, that Jessica, what's her face, Jawai? Uh, yeah, I did, yeah, I did, I did. Fucking odd, right? Very much so. So, be, survive one shooting, go to a completely different country, fucking get killed in another one. <laughs> Seven weeks later. Yeah. I hope she actually did follow through and uh, live every day to its fullest, like she said she was going to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess sake. that sinking feeling she was talking about was, you know, her. Yeah, what if? You know, like, it's, it's crazy. Not quite as crazy as old boy's notebook. Yo, some of that, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's because I've been fucking reading about him and watching shit about him since like 4.30 this morning. But uh, some of that shit started to make a little bit of sense. (laughs) Like, well, mathematically, he's got it pretty much figured out here. Well, yeah, if you think of yourself as nothing, and then, you know, if you do math with that to multiply it to anything else... It's going to turn into nothing. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that's between him and God, if he creates enough nothings, is nothing. <laughs> or the devil. He didn't seem to really care which way he went with it. No, no. As long all. as he had that infinite integer. All he <laughs> wanted to do was get rid of the question. Yeah. <laughs> the question is irrelevant if nobody is alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, uh, then he had eight pages of the word why. <laughs> and then it's like after he after he did those eight pages of why it went into an actual he was actually planning at this point he worked out the math and then he broke down for a little while <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. It like, it like he had it about figured out i mean he got stuck in that question of you know what is the meaning of life why am i here and he got stuck there for a while well, I mean, he was actually a pretty brilliant math kid. Like, did you, yeah. see, did you see his, like, uh, a speech he did in front of the class? Like, <laughs> yeah. This is another guy that was probably way too damn smart to be around normal people. Yeah, yeah. He also shouldn't have been around normal people. He should have been taken away from normal people a couple of times before this actually happened. So, um, in case you're just coming on or you didn't know what the hell the intro was about, um, we're going to be talking about the 2012 uh, shooting in Aurora, Colorado at the Century 16 movie theater during the midnight screaming of The Dark Knight Rises. 
Um, yeah, there was some screaming. Yeah, yeah. And and tactical clothing. Yeah, very much. Both so. on both on Christian Bale and James Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you see his whole list of armor? Yeah, where did he get this shit? Right? Like, I was able to see that he found his gun. He got his guns legally, just spread it out over a little bit of time. Yeah. When did he pick up a neck neck armor? <laughs> a Kevlar cup? <laughs> yeah, crotch armor. Who the hell thinks about that when they're just going out there to rampage shoot somebody? <laughs> Seriously. And then, yeah, so... And this guy, he's a little bit different than our other ones. He wasn't just, like, a total born loser. He was just... Very socially awkward. He kind of reminds me of uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, I, I can I can draw the correlation. Yeah, he kind of reminded me of a Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, this was definitely one more on the books of people that you know had a whole life ahead of them. You know, a lot like the kids from Columbine. You know, doing very well. Actually, he was probably better, and he was actually studying for a PhD in neurology, neuroscience, something along yeah, that. Yeah, neuroscience. Um. So, yeah, he, he definitely wasn't a dummy. <laughs> he had his shit together. And he was, from his friends in school and stuff, he, he was pretty brilliant. Um, not awkward. Not socially awkward. In not really, any way. No. Fairly outgoing. Um, had a decent personality. Got into college. Found him a girlfriend, even. And, you know, was living the high life, from what you can tell from what everybody else was saying. So uh, he was born uh, in December of 1987 in uh, San Diego. His dad was a mathematician and a scientist with uh, degrees from Stanford University, UCLA, and UC Berkeley. And uh, his mother was was a nurse. Um, A psychiatric nurse. uh, Possibly. I didn't see that. Um, Although I did see the video with her. Basically, it's, hey... What about me? <laughs> Nobody remembers the whites. <laughs> like I, I did. I now I watched the Dylan Claybold's mother's TED talk or Med Med TED or whatever the TED fuck. talk, and uh, it was really good. Um, I, I I was able to empathize with her, but this woman, I I didn't feel the same. I, I, Not the only thing I'd say about with her is that you know she did take a, an appropriate stance on the in the courtroom when she was saying her piece. Um, but she did kind of still lay it to herself a little bit, you know, with the little little bit of what about meism. Yeah, but yeah. but she at least acknowledged, you know, the victim suffering and you know was you know, hopeful that they would find a way to to make peace with the situation. And but you know, I mean, yeah, it's probably too soon from when she did that. Yeah, or you know, maybe she should have just done what she was talking about and just stayed quiet. It'd have been much easier. Um, <clears throat> he, uh, at 11 years old, he tried to commit suicide. That was his first suicide attempt. Um, I'd missed that one. Oh, he had a little brief period of, of, of social decline around 11, 12 years old. Um, he, he began to suffer from uh, mental health issues in middle school and attempted suicide at 11. Um, during his childhood, he was frightened of what he called nail ghosts. That would hammer on the walls at night. Um, he had a uh, he went to see a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist basically said that he was depressed. Um, he had been obsessed with killing for over a decade by the time he did the uh, by the time he went to see this 
a psychiatrist. I mean, he was grown by this point, but he had been obsessed with killing for over a decade. Um, despite all that, he graduated in, uh, from high school in 06, he, uh, and then he got a bachelor degree at the University of California, Riverside. Um, he decided, yeah, he decided to become a graduate, go to pursue a graduate degree in neuroscience, and he moved to Aurora, Colorado. Um, he had roommates where he lived there. He had had an apartment off, off of campus. Yeah, was in study groups. Yeah. Like I said, they found him a girlfriend. He had a, a dating profile on Match.com, profile on Adult friend, a Friend Finder. And one of my favorite things about this dude, he would hire sex workers and leave reviews of their services on, like, online message boards. <laughs> like, <laughs> she, went for, she went for the back door button a little too fast on that one. She wasn't, a, she wasn't as good as Candy. Now, Candy, she could suck on that lollipop for a good long time and only hit the button at the appropriate times. <laughs> oh, I just can't even imagine. What the hell? Like what if she's what if I he's like all that. he's got like a he's got like a notepad while she's riding him. He's like, hmm, two stars. <laughs> <laughs> Would not recommend. <laughs> Would have been better if she'd have done a backflip. Yeah. In uh, October of two thousand eleven he began dating this girl in his biology class. Um she broke up with him on Saint Patrick's Day because she felt you know, he, he got all weird after he, he saw her talking to another guy during their date. Um, he often made, like, weird flat jokes that made other people uncomfortable. I can, I can relate. And yeah. he often expressed his desire to kill people. Um, he, she started telling him to get some help, and she didn't really take his claim seriously, though. Um, they picked back up in January, but they broke off again in February. Yeah, she didn't mention any of that in her uh, trial and yeah, her, her witness thing. Huh. Uh, he told a state-appointed psych, uh, psychiatric physician that their breakup contributed to his violent depression. Um, so, yeah, that's his uh, early school days. Yeah, I had a feeling that the breakup probably had something to do with pushing him a little bit farther over the edge. Yeah, it, it did. Um, he, but he doesn't really mention it too much in his book or his journal, except for when he talks about love and hate and... You know, he only, like, kind of talks a little bit on it. And, like, you sent me that, in the, the, it was the photocopied. What I really wanted was transcript copy, and there doesn't seem to be one. No, there's no transcript copy that I can find. But then again, I, after really finally sitting down and looking at it, there's so many, like, symbols that he uses and shit like that. You'd almost have to have, you know, a picture of his journal with every page so you could understand his drawings. And the main symbol that I saw pop up on Almost every page was was his math was his basically it's his math equation. Yeah, yeah, zero plus one. Oh, did you, plus you talking about the, the one that looked like a superhero symbol? Kind of. Yeah. That one was. I mean, I gotta admit that yeah. was kind of dope. Once you understand the concept of what he was talking about, he has like a sliding scale that he he grades human beings on, and he puts himself at zero, and everybody else has a value of one, plus or minus, and like the highest levels of attainment of I guess being a real person or being, you know, someone is infinite plus or infinite negative. Yeah. And he didn't really care which way he went. And the more he multiplied himself against integers of one, the more they became zero and the more influence he had along that scale. It's really fucking convoluted <laughs> and weird. 
Um, it took me like walking away from this and watching South Park for a couple episodes to be like, oh, okay. Yeah, that math is making less sense. Again. I believe your first first response I heard you say when that you come up with me is this guy's nuttier than a squirrel. Uh, nuttier than squirrel shit. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, uh, but his math is sound. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he he come up to, with the conclusion that yeah, it's there's just as much argument for life not to exist as life does to exist. Yeah, it, if you come up with the arguments for life to exist, they're instantly negated by equally um, logical arguments that it should not. Therefore, it might as well not. And yeah. I'm like, <laughs> the more I read this stuff, I was like, I said I'd been on I, at this point, I'd been in James Holmes' mind for like. I don't know, six hours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I feel that he actually got stuck in the whole what is the meaning of life, why do I exist, existential paradox deal that, and come to the conclusion that life really doesn't matter, and when life doesn't matter, nothing matters. So I think he fell into a nihilistic state that went way too deep. Yeah. And while he's doing all this, here's some of the things he's got going on. 2011, he enrolled as a Ph.D. student in neuroscience at the University of Colorado in Aurora. He received a $21,600 grant from the National Institutes of Health, which was dispersed in installments from, June, from July to June the following year. He also received like $5,000 stipend from the University of Colorado. Like He was doing so well with his studies that he was getting constant grants. Like He was already enrolled. And he was getting further grants from, like, the Institute of Health and whatnot. Oh, yeah, they had high hoops for him. You know, meanwhile, he's doing math <coughs> equations in his fucking composition book with little stick figures that represent the number one. And if they're laying down, it's the number zero. <laughs> yeah, he figured that uh, for each one that he was able to take out would hopefully add one to himself. Well, he had, like, it worked out to where it was, it was kind of like the, the old, like, post-slavery era census. Like, a black person was three-fifths of a person, according to the census. And it, it was something like that with him. Like, for every one he killed, he got a percentage of a point. But it doesn't <laughs> matter. When you, it doesn't matter how many points you grab if you always multiply it towards your negative seven, it's zero self. It's, 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 it's always a zero. <laughs> he he might have had the, the trick. I mean, does it really matter? I mean, well... But it, should we end it all because we don't think it does? That, that's, <laughs> that's, see, that's where I'm at. I mean, that, that's how I've lived my life for several years now. No, I don't think anything's going to matter at the end of it. No. You know, I'm, I'm every, like, every living being dies alone. We're just fleas on a dog's back. Yeah, you know, it, <laughs> it, but I'm not going to go ending other people's whatever they got left. I'm not going to end mine. You know? Nope. At least not until I'm damn well and ready. But, yeah, something something flipped in him, and he decided, you know what, it really doesn't matter, and, you know, the only way I'm going to get rid of this question and find out the answer for sure is if people die. And uh, we're going to have to pause. Yeah, so we're back. <laughs> we, y'all didn't even have to know that we left, but, you know, journalistic integrity, you know, it's, it's a thing. It's yeah, a it thing. was a two-and-two two situation. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, so... We were, we were sitting there talking about his, his ideas that, you know, might as well everybody just die. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, the only way he was going to either solve or eliminate the question. Yeah, he was always trying to solve for infinite, which is, that's difficult, you know. Yeah, that's, that's um, a task. He went to a psychiatrist. Well, I know I've already mentioned this, but there's something else that comes up with a psychiatrist. I feel this is a good time 
because we're getting ready to come down to it. Um, he he went to a psychiatrist and started telling her that he's having fantasies and like making plans to actually kill people and and to murder. And as as is her duty and fucking responsibility as a psychiatrist, she breaks what's called the patient confidentiality, which you know yep. they're required to in these cases, um, where there's like imminent threat to the themselves or others. Yep, yep. And she tries. She gets hold of his mother. She gets hold of I think uh, somebody at the school. Yeah, she called somebody at the school, which actually did result into some limitations of his access and stuff. Yeah, they actually uh, had re- they revoked his like access card. He couldn't get into the school at all. Right. Um, but he was still able after this. He was still able to purchase a gun. Oh, well, that was because <laughs> they did go and uh, have some uh, an evaluation with him. But there was nothing at that time to show that he was actually a threat, according to the doctor. Um. Now, I don't understand how she gets to that from him actually saying he's having thoughts about killing people. Well, he was. He told her he was. I know. But for some reason, it was either her or they, he, he was picked up and sent to have an evaluation. But and at any rate, trial, there was another one. well, after, after that, it was a lot of them. But uh, there was another during that time that uh, she had, uh, there was a phone call back to the officer um, that was, you know, basically, you know, we've done what we can, um, that, uh, I wish I could remember verbatim. I don't have it recorded with me. Uh, but there was no clear imminent threat. So there, there was nothing that they could do. You know. But like, like I'm saying, if one doctor is telling, even if it was the second doctor, and I think I'm thinking it was, but even if it was the first or the second doctor that come up with this, somebody tells you they're thinking about killing somebody, and if you are the second doctor and the first doctor says, hey, I'm referring this person to you because they said this, um, yeah, that, that's, that's the very definition of a clear and imminent threat to somebody. Yeah. At the very, maybe no charges could be filed, maybe he couldn't be committed, but maybe they could do something in the for future cases. They were at least trying to get the 72-hour hold, and for some the, the conclusion said, nope, we can't do it. Yeah, uh, and it didn't matter anyway. It was a little bit further in the future that he did it. But, like, they should have at least made it to where, okay, until further evaluations have been done, until, you know, and a period of, make it a period of time, maybe he shouldn't be able to purchase a firearm. <laughs> yeah, even you know, from my stance on that, I could agree with something like that. If, a doc- if you go tell a doctor that you're having thoughts about killing people, they should be able to reach over there, push a little button in your computer, and you know, send this little thing off right now and say, oh, okay, uh, we're going to have a 90-day hold or yep. until further evaluation. Yep. If, you, if we can't figure out anything within 90 days, you, know, you get your rights now, back. What do you but, do about the guns he already has, though, at this point? Uh, I will believe that would fall under the red flag kind of a law. Go and, and confiscate them yeah, until confiscate further time. That. Yeah, I hate it as much as I hate to even admit this, but as much as I love my right to have a damn gun, I don't want people like that to have a gun. I don't want me to have a gun right, if I get right. into that kind of a thought. Yeah, agreed. If I get it's pissed I off enough <laughs> where I go warn people, I'm getting ready to fuck people up. Come take my shit. Make sure I have a hard time doing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's the least we can do as a society. <laughs> yes, and that is from a hardcore two-way advocate. I agree with that stance. Yeah, and so they they really dropped the ball big time here. Um, like the the psychiatrist did what she was supposed to do, 
but I feel like there's a lot of people have a little bit of blood on their hands, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Somebody, somebody slipped there. They, they dropped a few balls there. Um, and maybe that's something we need to start taking more seriously, you know. Um, like, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll get into that in our, big, our, in our, our final topic. On oh, these. yeah, it, it'll definitely come. Um, so now we're coming into these shootings, right? Um, he was act, yeah, he was actually a psychiatric patient of the mental health services of the of the school prior to the shooting. Yeah. Um, the prosecutor disagreed with that later on, but you know, it, because of all this shit, it ended up not coming in case of the trial. But he was at least three mental health professionals before the uh, had been dealing with at least three mental health professionals at the University of Colorado before the massacre. Um, I lost my thought. Oh, um, Batman starts. Batman starts. And there's this, apparently there's this thing where uh, he, they, they tried saying that he has like a huge fan of superheroes and that his apartment was decorated with Batman paraphernalia. Um, and come to find out later, he had a single mask, a single Batman mask. <laughs> um, so, and right before he does this, he for some reason dyes his hair. To, to kind of look like the Joker, even though to me it really didn't. Yeah, he, he went red. Yeah, he. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what he, he was. He looked more for. like uh, he looked more like the kid from The Incredibles. Yeah, you know, than he did the than he did the Joker. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe the Riddler. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, he joined a gun club in uh, Byers, Colorado, because he had he tried. Yeah, that. Oh, that's right. He fucking. Yeah, left to answer a voicemail where he was babbling. Leave a message. Yeah, and yeah, the guy still left a message. It was like he was trying to fool the people at the drive-thru. Hey, I need a... And a, uh, a large... Yeah. Now, to the, the gun club runners, owner, leaders... He, he did notify everybody else in the group. Yeah, this guy he was calls, like, hey, make sure you don't, don't if admit he shows him, up, refer him to me. If I wanna, he shows I up, tell him guy. to fuck off. Um, he had bought a Glock 22, uh, he bought a, six days later, he bought a Remington, uh, shotgun at a Bass Pro shop, um, then he went and did an oral exam at the university, failed it, and immediately went to buy a Smith & Wesson M&P 15 sport rifle, which, um, which is basically an AR-15 platform Yeah, that's, rifle. every, everything I heard, they are basically saying it's like a, it, it, it's like an AR-15, you know, copy, um. They were all bought legally. Background checks were performed, as we have discussed. Yep. <laughs> um, four months prior to the shooting, he bought 3,000 rounds of ammunition for the pistol, 3,000 for the rifle, and 350 shells for the shotgun online. Um, he ordered an assault vest, two magazine holders, and a knife. He also got spike strips. Now, this, this touched me a little bit inside. <laughs> I, uh, when I was much younger, I always wanted to have, like, a spike strip deployer in the back of my car, you know. <laughs> we'll talk and, about that later. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, apparently his plan was to get away, but I don't, I don't, anyway, we'll, we'll, we're getting there. He, he used his poor job at that. He used half his, in, his ammunition at some gun, shot, gun, uh, gun range he was able to go to where he'd be left kind of alone. Um, he went to one of them, 
and he used up like half of his ammunition and pretty much came away from that and it, he had made a, a statement that he still wasn't much of a good shot so he decided to go check out and he, just, he was really going to do an airport but security at airports and shit um, he decided the theater was next best place and if anybody remembers when the Dark Knight came out the prequel to Dark Knight Rises the sequel to Batman Begins um, it was a huge deal Oh yeah, I mean theaters were. I mean it was people were lined up around the box to people see. People were movie. showing up at this theater at one o'clock in the afternoon for a midnight showing. Yeah, and there were people there. They still so had he to knew that the sequel. He knew all the part. Well, actually, it was part three, but he knew that Dark Knight Rises was going. There was going to be a lot of people there, so he had gone to this theater and he started looking at what would be the easiest access points where people would be the most crowded and concentrated, and he found out that uh, Batman was going to be in. Uh, theater 9 or whatnot. Well, he had tried to buy tickets for Theater 9, but what had happened was they overbooked it. They sold all the tickets for Theater 9 showing, midnight showing of Batman. And this was the premiere. And so what they did was they cleared out Auditorium or whatever, 8, and yep. put all the overflow there. So he ended up with a ticket for 8. And they made a big deal about this. But Once you go through a door in a theater, everybody knows. You can walk into whatever the theater you want. Yeah, you pay for a ticket, go you, watch what movie you, you, you want to watch. You buy the ticket, you walk in the lobby and get your popcorn, you hand the ticket to a guy at the entrance of the dark hallways, and you disappear into those hallways. Yeah. And you stay there all fucking day. Yeah. But anyway, he was really concerned about this. He, he tried so hard. He almost, uh, he, he would have got caught, I think, if somebody would have been like, why do you want this specific one? Because he was begging for it. But he finally got in the he got into theater eight and Snowell's theater nine. He snuck into theater nine, and uh, just before you know when the movie got started, I think they were doing the trailers and shit. He somehow he still found a seat. Yeah, well, you know, well he seating. I don't know if he ever actually sat down. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Okay, so he goes he, in he there. He was there for a good part of the movie, right up until uh, Catwoman started stealing an object. Was when he got up to uh oh, okay okay take yeah. that imaginary phone call. Yeah, he went out the side door and it was dark outside, so nobody even really noticed. And he used he used something to like jimmy the door, keep it from closing. Uh, tablecloth clamp. Yeah, yeah. He it clamped weird. it to the side of the door so it just wouldn't close. <laughs> he didn't need to block the latch. Yeah, it was it was pretty ingenious. And uh, and that little clamp would give you something to pull to open it back up. But he goes out to his car and he gears up. He grabs all his weaponry and everything. He's getting psyched for it, and he has, like, this moment. He drops one of his gas canisters and spends a good minute or two looking for it. Yeah. And during this time, he's, he's kind of come down from a bit. He starts to have this time. He's starting to think about this shit. So he calls this crisis hotline, right? And this is one of those times where I say maybe divine intervention's a thing. Like, <laughs> this is weird. Because he dropped this canister, and he found it. And he's like, well, maybe I'll do this one more thing to stop myself. He calls his crisis hotline. He's on the phone for nine seconds, and then the call's dropped. So he takes that as like a sign that, all right, well, this is going down. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he walks into the theater. Um, he's been gone for like 20 minutes. And uh, he opens fire. I got my things on it here. Yeah, he uh, starts off with the canisters, the tear gas canisters, and he throws tear gas canisters, canisters out in the theater, and he fires a shotgun at the ceiling. Or the rifle. I heard both. Yeah, the, the witnesses that were in the court 
appearances there. They have very different stories and perspectives about what actually happened, who shot, who got shot first, what yeah. weapons were shot first, including when they actually described him, when they the people in the front, and from the sounds they were hearing, the order in which the sounds. It was you know one girl described it as a rapid fire, higher pitched pop, 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 and then a lower-pitched boom, which would signify it was the rifle and then the shotgun, just by the sounds. Um, and another guy said he walked in with the rifle, but the shooter himself says he came in with the shotgun. Yeah. And the other half of the witnesses say it was the shotgun first. So it's, it's kind of muddied, but let's go with the shooter's actual events of what happened that correlates with half the witnesses as what probably happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was also wearing uh, noise canceling headphones with like super loud techno music. Yes. Cause he didn't want to be one with the crowd. He didn't want them to yeah. interfere in any way. Didn't want to, he wanted to be disconnected as much. He, as he possible. was wearing his Buddha box. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he, he popped off that shot in the ceiling, and then when people started moving, the first ones to move were the first ones that got popped. Yeah. Um, uh, there was, uh, he fired 76 shots in the theater, six from the shotgun, 65 from his rifle, and five from the forty caliber handgun. Um, and it was just fucking pandemonium. Like, everybody's oh, yeah. going one way or the other. He's just kind of firing, uh, like, randomly picking targets and aiming somewhat at them. Yeah, he... he he admitted that um, with that gas mask on, he really couldn't aim, so he was just pointing yeah. in the general direction and firing. Yep. Um, and what he was picking first was the people heading to the door so nobody else would. Yeah. And then it was anything that moved. Um, police arrived within 90 seconds of the first 911 call, so we know it was a white neighborhood. Well, it didn't, help. <laughs> it didn't hurt that the police station is two blocks away from the police. Yeah, well, you know. So this is the again. one time that the cops <laughs> actually showed up pretty quickly yeah but and uh, still well away. they showed up but they were they were ill-prepared and i guess uninformed um he get they get there and they couldn't actually get into the theater because of all the tear gas and people were like you know up against the door and shit like that they couldn't actually get in there and do anything while he was still shooting like there's i listened to the 911 calls and uh like you hear them and they're like yeah he's in there He's shooting. We can't get in there. We need, we need, yeah, where's, we, we, where's my goddamn gas mask? And uh, eventually there, he, he, he goes through all, every, during all the pandemonium, he kind of slips out the side door and goes back to his car. And I don't really know why, but he just chills in his car. Like this, he has like maybe a three second window when he got to his car that he could have just got the fuck out of Dodge, you know, but he doesn't. Nope. Um, yeah, he was just chilling in his car. Uh, they came and got him. No resistance. Yeah, just a cop walking around to go in the back entrance, happened to see him getting into his car. Yeah. And, you know, he could have outgunned that cop immediately. Yeah, but he, well, he, he could have got he, away. He, he didn't, he dropped his shotgun as soon as he ran it, ran yeah, it dry. And the other, and the rifle was and jammed. the rifle, he loaded the magazine to full capacity, all 100 rounds. Um, don't do that, people. It jammed his rifle. He couldn't figure out how to clear it, so he started using the pistol. And he wanted to save a few rounds for just in case so he could you know, take himself out, I imagine. And most of these guys have that particular out plan. Well, but, I don't know if he did because he had those spike strips. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I Somewhere don't know. his plan changed, I think. But he kept a few rounds of ammo in that pistol. He didn't fire yeah. it dry. Um, and then he went outside to his car, and when he started, he started to pull his armor off and throw it in the back and get in the car. And the officer was coming around the building and watched him do this as he was running down there. Come up to him, guy. He didn't put up a bit of a, a resist. Just yeah, that was me. I acted alone. Oh, yeah. and by the way, you know, be careful when you check my apartment and you know, the rest of my car. Yeah, why would he? I, I feel like he went through all the trouble. <laughs> yeah, he, he just gave up when he was done. Yeah, and I guess he, it didn't answer his question. Or he realized that it was a, a bad idea. He finally, kept, he finally got a moment of clarity. Or that he was right and nothing really fucking mattered. Yeah, I guess, maybe. Um, the cops initially thought, well, the policeman that saw him initially thought he was another police officer because of all the fucking tactical gear. Yeah. Um, he was described as being calm and disconnected. And here is where a big rumor started. Uh, these feds like, started saying that he called himself the Joker. But all the cops that were there and the prosecuting attorney all said that no, the federal officials started this rumor for no reason. He never referred to himself as the Joker. He never tried to be the Joker. But it's something they, the feds, for some reason, decided they wanted to start this bullshit. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's not hard to, to realize that that, was, that would have been a far fetch. He, he dyed his hair red. That's, that's definitely not the Joker. Never has been, you know, from the beginning to the end. It's always been green. Yeah. <laughs> green, or maybe sometimes a little bit of purple. Yeah. Uh, uh, like the, the Mark Hamill, when he was in the cartoon, it was green with like a shade of purple. But yeah, red was definitely not that. So he, he was way off the mark if that was the case. So I don't believe that at all myself. Yeah. Um, the police interviewed more than 200 witnesses. Uh, and everybody was pretty sure he acted alone. Now, there was a huge, during the, you know, the upheaval and the, of the crisis actor bullshit and all that, there was this huge thing that this, the shooting, there was a theory that the shooting had actually happened, but that it had been carried out by some sort of, like, Delta kill squadron. And, you know, I feel silly even discussing it, but I feel like there's still people out there that believe this shit. A team of Delta kill squadrons in a kill box room like that, there would have been no witnesses to talk to. I would imagine. They would have had better weaponry, better trained. They would have took complete control of the situation. They wouldn't have made it look like... They even were able to tell from where all the bullets were and the casings and the bullet holes. Yeah, he didn't move very much. Yeah, they were able to tell that there was one shooter in one location or one area of the theater. What was it? 70-some shots? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he killed, what, 14 and wounded? He wounded. There were 70 people wounded, killed 12. Um, 58 of the people wounded were wounded from the gunfire, four from the tear gas, and eight were, like, stampede. Okay, 58 wounded from the gunfire. Yeah. And deaths? 12. 12. So that's 70 total? Yeah. So we got a high percentage wound to, to shell yeah. number there for a kid who couldn't, couldn't see what he was doing. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, this is a group of people. You've been in theaters. Yeah. There's only two ways out, and he's yeah. got, well, three ways out, and he's got one of them blocked off by himself. Well, the Columbine boys had a way lower rate. Yeah. They did. We ain't even gonna talk about an old guy from you know the the two, World War II camp that shot two hundred fifty rounds and 
barely barely killed barely anybody. Barely brought 10%. Yeah, so <laughs> this guy's operating at 98% even in this. So he was good in everything. Yeah, he uh, he was better than he gave himself credit for, I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, again, you're shooting fish in a barrel, in a really small barrel, you know. Yeah, but nothing as is is fully automatic and mounted and no. you know, big giant target sitting right here. No, they, the other guy couldn't even hit ninety percent of the Delta, tents, a, let alone a, the people. A, a squadron of Delta fighters. Oh yeah, you put four guy four you know, Delta Marines in, in something like that. Yeah, it's over. It's yeah. a, there would have been like I said there nobody been in the whole witnesses. theater would have been left. Yeah. Dude, speaking of theater and the government, this is completely off topic. Do you know that the Russian government, I want to say in the eighties, maybe there, maybe the nineties used uh, fentanyl gas to kill an entire theater full of people in order to get to one diplomat. Wouldn't surprise me. Like, they, they, they found, like, they had, like, this fentanyl gas and just OD'd the whole fucking, like, it was like an opera house thing. Or, like, symphony orchestra theater. I mean, it was packed, too. Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, <laughs> you know, some of the secrets that could come out of that place. Jesus Christ. I mean, if you gotta I wouldn't shut be somebody up. we'd done similar things. I mean... <laughs> But Plain blankets, Indian blankets. Yeah, yeah. good lord. <laughs> I said every flag's got a little blood. Um, so when he was arrested, he told cops that he booby trapped his apartment, as Mike had mentioned. They evacuated five buildings around his fucking around his apartment, hmm. about five miles from the uh, theater. Right. Um, so people were like. They were going to these people. They, they moved them, I think, to the high school. And reporters were going, they're like, well, how do you feel being put out of your homes due to the... And most people are like, yeah, so we didn't actually lose anybody in the shooting. So if we have to go out of our homes for a little while and hang out here, that's fine. Yeah. We're okay. <laughs> like, Fucking perspective, people. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, uh, yeah, a lot of people lost people. We didn't. So we'll, we'll hang out here for now. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I tell that fucking news reporter to fuck off, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, he had like uh, jars of gasoline, fucking wired up, and gunpowder and bullets and uh, yeah, it was, it was ca- it, kerosene and gasoline mixtures. Uh, he had a few thermite uh, incendiary devices that were hooked to fuses to that. Uh, he, he had a uh, shit. What the hell did they call that? Some kind of a gas. Um, it was creating fumes, some kind of flammable fumes in there that were being contained by the apartment itself. Uh, it basically turned this whole damn thing into a big-ass bomb. Yeah. Um, that all they had to do was just kick the door in and it would have went off. Now, luckily, they didn't kick the door in. The way he had it set up was, you know, it had to actually pull an object that wasn't secured so when they pushed the door with the robot, it actually just shifted the trigger instead of pulled the trigger. <laughs> Lucky for everybody there. <laughs> um, but yeah, did you hear about the the neighbor? Uh. Uh-uh. So like before he left, after he wired everything up, before he walked out the door, he put his uh, music on like oh, super yeah. loud, and this like one of the neighbors went over there was banging on the door. Like he, she almost set shit off. Like, <laughs> and she had no idea, but she went over there banging on the door and shit. Had she like. Banged a little harder in the right spot. She would have set that. She shit thought off. about calling the police to have them come and open it up to turn yeah, it off. Yeah, yeah, that would have been bad. Oh boy, because <laughs> they wouldn't have been warned. They would have just kicked the door in. And Man, any guess to why he picked that particular theater out of the other six he had to choose from? I never even got into that. Why? What were your thoughts? It was the only theater that openly had 
No handguns. No That's guns. right. I did hear something about that. It was the only one that was a gun-free zone. Yeah, I think I uh, saw that on the uh, uh, Generation Y podcast. Now, what did it stop him? I don't know. No, but it made it less likely. But it made it a target. Remember, the airport wasn't a target. What's president of the airport that's not president at that particular theater? Guns. Guns. So he did not want to be shot back at. And just like any other rule, if somebody's going to break a law, a sign or a law is not going to change them from doing it. No. Yeah, it's, like, it's like the whole bathroom bill. You yeah, know? yeah, let's just all remember, we have a law against murder. Yeah, every one of these people's done it. <laughs> yeah, they didn't care. I'm going to go murder. I don't care about your no-concealed handguns law. Right. You know, that's, who, 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 who cares about that at that point? Like, how silly. <laughs> it's like you see, go to Walmart and you see the same thing, and it's like, how ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm, I'm walking up to Walmart. I'm decked out, full body armor. I look like a character from fucking Half-Life, right? I got fucking my guns ready. I got everything ready to go. I get up the door. I see that no gun sign. Aw. I just, yeah. <laughs> Throw my guns down in anger. Yeah, yeah. Then I go to shoot up the parking lot. Boom. A sign in the parking lot. <laughs> no guns. Yeah. Taking away my shaky memoration. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, going, I'm, I'm going to go down and kill them. You goddamn libtards took all my fucking gun rights. You stole everything! Oh, man. But, yeah, we'll definitely be getting back into uh, the whole, you know, the, the gun restrictions with the sign and, you know, how we protect things. All that stuff. That's, all this stuff's going to be coming into the bigger episode, which is the main reason is why you're catching all these guys here in very short, you know, somewhat short format um, because there's no way that we could include all these people into yeah. a lead-up, into a, a full episode. And there's you, can't, you can't have a discussion about gun laws, gun violence, and gun restriction without giving the reason for the season. You know? Right. <laughs> you you got to know what the heck you're getting into when you jump into that. So, you know, folks, if you're on either side of that particular topic, I would really hope that you do your research and actually know what you're talking about instead of just being scared of what the TV tells you to be. Um, and uh, one thing about this particular thing, I heard a lot of people describing these sounds as fireworks. They thought at first that it was some type of a movie stunt because of the premiere so, and shit. Uh, that does happen. Maybe it does. not anymore. Not like that kind of shit. But, but folks, but, but folks, 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 if, if you think a gun can sound like a firework, I encourage you to go to your nearest gun range. Even if you hate guns, just to go and listen to the sound of guns going off. They sound nothing like fireworks. Well, I mean, there's an initial thing, I think, with a lot of them was it was just a matter of shock. You know, is this no, a no? No, it, 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 that, that doesn't yeah. matter. Well, at the time, this was also you got to think this is 2012. People should have known better by now. This isn't 1980, but at the same time, there is that initial thing of with most people. Well, okay, especially now with like, the, with the you, whole you're dealing scare with the suburbanites of it, and whatnot. Go you know? learn what the it could save your life. Know what a yeah. gun sounds like. Yeah, and then and then look for cover the best you can. Don't don't rush the door. That's where everybody else is going. He's aiming there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, 
it, it's been a running thing. I mean, the, the folks at Columbine thought, you know, that was fireworks. I mean, just about every single one of these, that is a common thing yeah, that I think, you hear I think is people around it think I it think sounds like fireworks. I think initially that's what your, your brain wants to go to initially. It might be something as simple as that. For most people. I'm, I, hear, I, I hear a fucking car, you know, backfire or a door slam, and I'm pretty sure I've been shot. <laughs> like I'm, I'm looking for the exit wound, you know. <laughs> but I'm, <laughs> well, I'm not trying to tell people to be the other extreme where they get, you know, paranoid of every pop that they hear. But you know, I can pick out a gunshot in the middle of the yeah, Fourth of July fireworks. I can hear, hear gunshots. Yeah. Um, they they sound completely different. And I also I've never been country. in a situation where I, I needed to know those sounds for my life. Well, that's whatever what God you believe then, to. You know, I mean, I, but, but I think now we have to we have to face the fact that we are all in a situation. So I live out in <laughs> the country. You hear gunshots every once yeah. in a while, and yeah, and you can pick out the ones that are outdoors shooting at animals, and the ones that are nearby indoors that are kind of yeah. muffled. Yeah, that shouldn't out, have happened. Step outside on New Year's Eve. Yeah, it don't matter how far your neighbor is, they're shooting something. Yeah, somebody somebody it's somewhere within earshot <laughs> is going to be shooting a gun, uh, and you'll be able to tell the difference. But yeah. Go study that. Don't don't be thinking this stuff is fireworks and you know, yeah. That's even if of, it that's might be, kind of time. assume it's not. Unless you're at a fireworks show, you know, then yeah. maybe just don't go to those if you can't tell the difference. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the trial. Uh, I didn't know this. Almost every hour of the trial was fucking uh, was filmed. Oh yeah. I, I could have spent thirty something hours, like thirty two hours, watching the trial. I did not, folks. I. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even care that I didn't. Um, I probably spent about four or five hours today you know, I did spend, on the YouTube. The yeah, background. I watched several of the testimonies from uh, some of the witnesses. I watched the entirety of the tape of his uh, pre-trial and, um, sanity uh, mm -hmm. evaluation. I watched that entire tape. Um, and there's a few things in there telling. They ask him during that, because, you know, he, of course he went for tried for insanity plea. Um, and they were asking him during that evaluation, they said, well, how do you want to be remembered? And at first he didn't really have an answer, and he's like, well, I guess they're, they're going to remember me for this. They're going to remember, this is, they're gonna, this is what they're going to remember. And it, he went on with the, 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 I guess, the person checking him out or whatever, the doctor, kind of went into it a little bit, and what it comes down to is he didn't really, he didn't really care about, you know, being remembered as a murderer. He just wanted to be remembered as somebody who did something. Yeah, pretty much. You know, he was no longer a zero now. Uh, he was now a one. It was a negative one, but he was now he a was one. no longer a zero. That probably would be why he calmed down. That, that might be it. He answered his question. Yeah. And um, now we we're going to get into this talk about insanity. Now, the generally courts... Were, view insanity as like criminally insane or whatnot, unable to stand trial or unfit for trial. Um, the, the insanity plea usually requires you to be like unaware of what you're doing um, or, or in some sort of like frame of mind where you're not really yourself. Uh, if, they, if you try to clean up after a murder, for instance, they will use that as saying that you were aware that what you were doing was wrong. Um, if you make plans to, if you plan a murder, they use that as saying that you were sane and you knew what you were doing was wrong. And I like to argue that maybe we should change some of those definitions. Um, just because an insane person can make a plan and it shows that they know, you know, 
a, a degree of right from wrong, it does not it does not prove that they are capable. You know what I mean? It does not prove that just because they know the difference between right and wrong doesn't mean that they can do anything about it. Well, we usually have a disorder for those. Yes, yes, and he should have been long ago. <laughs> well, he did run through his own self-diagnosis. Yes, he did, book. and he was pretty accurate. <laughs> um, well, yeah, um, he was extremely accurate. Yeah. Now, this brings me to my counterpoint. We know this guy was brilliant. Yes. We know his mother was a psychiatric nurse. Yes. We know he was studying neurology. Sure. Could he have been faking it? I would say he was faking it to an extent, but I truly believe that he... he studied these things. I truly believe that his wanting to be remembered and wanting to be somebody... I do... I, I, and, and the whole thing with his journal, I don't... Maybe every word in his journal wasn't true, but I think that his con, he was trying to express it in the only way he knew how through formula well, and we equations. We can't look at it through his eyes, but he was being somebody. He was, this yeah. This boy was brilliant. This boy was game, game handed yeah. money. He had a future that had... Virtually no limit at this point. But it had it held no purpose for him. And again, <laughs> you have to look at sure, maybe he knew right from wrong, but you can't say he was sane. You can't say he was capable of making good the, the right decisions. And, you know, and it's like yeah, they they at least they'd have degrees of, you know, criminal insanity defenses. Well maybe it doesn't get him off scot free. Either his studying actually led him to be able to diagnose himself extremely accurate because it's almost verbatim. What, or what or he fit the symptoms to it. Or like I said, he, 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 like I said, he studied this shit. And if he was planning something like that to answer his question, well, you know, his, I ain't saying he was in his... His he, self-diagnosis he, he came like several pages after his, uh, his mathematic equation, right before the whys. Yeah, he was... He, was, he had he already was tried to... This, 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 this equation of humanity and life for a while. I, you know, we, I, I fully jump into that, that. That that question troubled him for quite some time, probably longer than he was able to express it while he was expressing it all. Because um, I know my ramblings, I'll ramble along for stuff for years before I'll ever put it down on paper to try to figure something out, if, I, if it's in anything if yeah, yeah. that deep. I've, I was told for like four years I need to do a podcast. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How many years have we been told we needed a microphone near us? Oh, my God. Uh, well, as long as we've known each other. Yeah. Like 16 years. So. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think there's a possibility that this guy actually was, he was troubled, of course, with, with his question. And it pushed him into that nihilistic pit that he really didn't see a way to exist in. Um, and to my nihilistic friends, I mean, you know, there, there is a ledge there that you can walk over, but, you know, we all know nothing really matters, so fuck it. Yeah, um, why go through the effort? I'm not only nihilistic, I'm also lazy. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> but, I mean, if you're, tra if you're trapped in that hole and you actually don't want to be there, but you realize you found yourself there, I could um, only imagine, you know, that that's, that's got to be a hard pit to crawl out of. And if you're stuck in it and you're trying to find a way out and you're – then you figure out the mathematical equation to life, the universe, and everything. Um, then forty-two, you might actually start planning how to get away with doing that if you realize that it's wrong. And 
this guy was brilliant enough to actually study those particular disorders and can probably fake them. Yeah, that's true. I'll give you that. Yeah, I'm not saying it is, just spitballing that. Yeah, it's, it, but this I is mean, the one the, rare the, case that this could actually freaking happen. Um, yeah. And I've, I've been known to, uh, you know, play a part every once in a while to pull on somebody's strings to, you know, get an outcome that I desired. You know, most people have. Um, so, yeah, the possibility's there. I ain't saying he ain't crazy. I'm just saying I don't know if that's actually the answer. Yeah. We don't know yet. Yeah, he, he was eventually um, diagnosed with a schizoaffective disorder. Um, so he already has a break with reality. No, we won't have to worry about him again. No. Uh, during, let's see, three jurors were dismissed from the trial due to them violating orders not to talk to the reporters about it. Um, two more jurors were dismissed after that. The first due to emotional problems following the shooting of a family member. And the second for recognizing a survivor who was wounded in the massacre. Um, he chose not to testify in court. And on July 10th, they, all cases were arrested. The closing statements were made on July 14th. And formidable deliberations began on the 15th. Um, on the 16th, after the jury's deliberations, so they didn't deliver too long. He was found guilty of 24 counts of first-degree murder, which I don't quite understand. I don't. Un he only killed 12 people. How did he get convicted of their deaths twice? Good question. Um, I would may, uh, maybe I could, if I ever find that out, I'll do a little update in one in a future I'll episode. Love pregnant? I know. No. <laughs> um, there was a woman who you know. Who, who was in two of these shootings. But, uh, yeah, she, she didn't make it through the second one. Um, but, yeah, uh, 140 counts of attempted first-degree murder. See, why not 280? I, <laughs> where, he, was he doing their math? Well, I mean, he only fired, what, 70-some-odd shots? Yeah. Now, how is it more than the number of shots? Because that's only the number of times he tried to kill somebody. Yeah, he wounded 70 people, and he got 140 counts for that. So why not double that? Like, I, they're, they're, I, do they have the same, do they use James Holm for their, their math for the, I, I don't know. Common core shit? Oh, God, common core. That's what happened. Um, one count of possessing an illegal explosive and a sentence enhancement of a crime of violence, which... I thought and was again nothing come of the booby trapping the apartment and attempted murder. Well, maybe that might be it. Maybe the no, because he had illegal explosives in his car. Well, I'm just saying the the people in the why didn't the, they charge the him apartment. for that? Why didn't they charge him eight maybe times? Maybe that's where that's what maybe that's where the other people for the uh, um, the attempted murder is. This from. just a thing in Colorado? If you get charged for speeding five miles over the limit, you get a ticket for ten or attempted murder of the three people in front of you <laughs> times two. Sure. <laughs> Common court. Why not? We can make anything work. Um, so sentencing phase began on. Uh, oh, I wasn't done there. Uh, hey, they, there's my answer. Fuck. I already had it fucking pasted over. All right. So the two murder convictions for each death were first degree murder or attempted murder after deliberation, and first degree murder or attempted murder with extreme indifference. Ah. Although I feel like you. Like I feel like they should just turn steps. pick one. Extreme indifference seems fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
The jury ruled that he acted in a cruel manner, lying in wait and ambushed his victims during the shooting, which constitutes aggravating factors. Uh, the jurors did declare that he did not intend to kill children when he opened fire. Okay. Um, from my understanding, he didn't actually kill any children. They were all in like, most of the victims were in their 20s or 30s. No, I'm pretty sure it was all adults. Um, there was one child. Um, the, Ashley. No, Victoria. The, Victoria wasn't dead. Victoria didn't die. Uh, she, did. now. She was carried. I, I, I watched, I, I watched the thing on the way over here with the officer that carried her out. One second, one moment. A woman did miscarry a week after the attack. Veronica, yeah, she, Veronica's mother miscarried a week after the attack. But Veronica herself, no. No, I don't think Oh, there it is. There she is, yeah. Veronica Sullivan, she was six. So, yeah, one, the one child yeah. and the one that she miscarried as well. Um, not the six-year-old. The six-year-old's mother miscarried. Um, so, yeah, they, uh, his sister stated that he had become withdrawn after they moved to uh, Salinas from San Diego during his early teen years. Um, his, son, his father pleaded for his son's life said that he was severely mentally ill. He showed them photos of, like, camping trips and family uh, vacations. Um, his sister had nothing but good things to say about him. When yeah, the, his lawyer may urge the jurors to consider his mental illness and sentencing despite the rejection of insanity. Um, and they uh, rejected that appeal for clemency under the basis that mitigating factors such as mental illness does not outweigh aggravating factors such as the numbers of casualties in the massacre. Uh, he was sentenced to life without life in prison without the possibility of parole on August 7th after they decided not to sentence him to death. Um, he ended up receiving 12 life imprisonment sentences without parole and 3,318 years additional on top of that for attempted murder and the explosive possession. So, like the officer said... Definitely not. He's to, never. He, he's not got to worry what if about he does? getting into the uh, re reintegration program. What if he makes it? <laughs> <laughs> what if he's one of those like he's like a Methuselah character, or or, or Nebuchadnezzar or something lives for fucking ten thousand years. He didn't kill any children to drink their blood. True. So saith the ruler of Bathos. So. But uh, yeah, they um. We're probably not going to have to worry about this kid for a while. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to see him again. Um, three victims sued the theaters. Once he becomes the next Manson figure, and we'll see him on the news every once in a while. He's not, he's not charismatic he enough. He doesn't have it, does he? Don't, he ain't got it, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I would like to read his sex worker reviews. I actually did try to find his reviews of his sex workers, but I, I could not. <laughs> I would have read them off. Giving any out now. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Tyrone's a little bit of a neck biter. <laughs> um, three stars though. Extra, excellent coxmanship. <laughs> well then, <laughs> I guess that closes out the story of uh, John Holmes. Oh wait, no, James Holmes. Uh, you know, one day we're going to have to do the story of John Holmes and the Wonderland murders. <laughs> yeah, we might as well touch on that eventually at some point in time. Yeah, I don't I mean, know if he's going to fit into this. Uh, I mean, gun violence was involved, but I think this fits more into a talk on drug war. Yeah. 
Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, guys. It has been a pleasure again to uh, speak with you all. I'm glad you stuck around and listened to us here. I know you got plenty of choices in your listening pleasures while you are on your drive or at work. And be sure to uh, keep it at a low volume and have that mute button handy if you are at work. You don't want your boss coming by and uh, hearing some of these things. Or maybe you do. You know, yeah. who knows? Yeah, well, it depends on where you're working. Yeah. Depends on how much you like your boss. <laughs> if, you're listening to no, if you're listening to these mass murder episodes at work, I suggest you turn them all the way up. You know? <laughs> um, nobody's going to freak out. Nobody's going to think you're weird. It's important that everybody knows the possibility of what could happen. And um, speaking of killings in the workplace, we, uh, we, we've been discussing doing an honorable mention, I suppose, of the going postal craze. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, that, that was definitely a thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Created its own meme. It really did. And it was kind of unfair. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was unfair. Um, well, come on, man. That was a hell of a way to quit. Stoner's Point Podcast does not condone the murder of former employees or employers or current ones. <laughs> if they're future ones, you probably ain't going to have to worry about them being future ones, I suppose, so have at it. <laughs> Where the fuck are we supposed to get material for the future? Well, remember that thing where Kennedy oh, said things humans. that haven't been invented yet? Humans. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, folks, uh, you can find us on Patreon. Um, you can find us on Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, uh, Podchaser, Acast. Uh, we are on YouTube, sort of, kind of. Um, we'll be more on YouTube as we go. Um, yeah, you can, uh, you can email us at uh, any questions or comments, suggestions at uh, stonerspointpod at gmail.com. You can also join our uh, $5 Patreon tier and get bonus content, early release episodes. Uh, you'll have an uh, option for chatting with us more directly than through email because, you know, I forget sometimes I have emails for four or five days, and then, then I look at them. Yeah, we've also got the Twitter and the Discord. Uh, yeah, um, if you join our Patreon, you will get a link to our Discord channel. And you can get in there with everybody, and everybody can we can have a community, and you can all talk about how much we suck. That'd be pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, let's see, where else was I going to go with this? Oh yeah. Um, if you like our intro music, please check out Wickless Sky. Uh, find them on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon Music, pretty much wherever music is. Um, stay tuned for an upcoming new podcast series under our network, uh, Charlie Manson's Fanny Pack about serial killers and cults and um yeah anything else mike no bro y'all y'all have a good one now we'll catch you on the next one yep yep fuck around and find out